welcome to the Bold Beautiful Borderline podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm here with my co-host, Lori, and today we're going to be talking all about the fear of abandonment that is commonly experienced by people with borderline personality disorder. So let's get into it. I think I was saying the other day to someone, and I'm not sure if it was you or not, but like, I always have a plan A, B, C, D, E, like, I, yeah, I think we were talking about this on another episode. Um, I, the, the, the thought of someone leaving me has been so terrifying to me in my life that I have left every person I've ever been with, because at least in that, um, in that way, it's like, I'm the one that's controlling it. Um, And, and I mean this in my like platonic relationships as well, not just my, my intimate relationships. Like I've had major friendships that I've just had to walk away from because I was so afraid of them walking away from me. And, um, it's something that I've had to really learn to recognize and acknowledge, um, that my behavior when I start to feel like someone's rejecting me or abandoning me or is going to leave, um, my behavior becomes dysregulated really quickly and even just in little things like it it sometimes really offends me if like someone leaves the room without telling me like yeah where they're going or what they're doing and that it's just silly you know but yeah I don't you tell me like that this is uh probably in my top three most difficult um symptoms Mm, yeah, I think for me, it was definitely a really big issue when I was in different relationships. Um, I think in friendships, I've kind of narrowed down my friends to the ones who are going to stick around. Um, and it really hurts me if friends, you know, leave my life for whatever reason. But I think that I kind of have, yeah, again, like narrowed it down to the people that aren't going to leave. Um, not that I treat them badly and they should, but, you know, um, I think for me, it's I'm always worried that my partner doesn't love me, which is so dumb because he loves me so much. And I know that. Um, So this is something that I had to work on in therapy for like a long time in the last couple of years is just like, I would ask him like, do you love me? Are you sure you love me? You're not going to leave me right all the time, like 50 times a day, which is super, super annoying. And I'm sure he didn't want to leave me before I started saying that. And then he gets like really annoyed and is like, okay, I need you to stop asking me that question. Um, it's just really scary to think about being alone. And I think I avoided serious relationships that were committal for years because of that. I just like could not take the rejection and I couldn't take being alone after being with someone. So I just decided not to ever commit, Um, which my poor fiance now knows well, because when he asked me out, I rejected him so many times (laughs) because I was like, you're a normal person. You're a nice person and you're going to treat me well. I can't be with you. And which is so awful, but it's true. And luckily I got over myself and dated him anyways, but you know. That is so funny. That takes me back when Tori and I first started dating. Um, I tried to break up with her like 45 times, like seriously, (laughs) like so many times. And I remember saying like, you don't love me. And, you know, you know, all this stuff, this was long before DBT. Um, and then eventually I kind of, I did this, a similar thing where I would, I wouldn't say, tell me that you love me, but I would say, tell me why you love me. Like I needed to know why she loved me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Because it means more than just saying, yeah, I love you. Well, it's so funny because all of the symptoms of borderline are so deeply connected. You know, like the fear of abandonment is directly related to the unstable self-image. And so like, if you think that you are not worthy of love, then of course you don't want anyone to leave you because then that just confirms that you are not worthy of love. When the reality is we're all worthy of love, right? It doesn't matter if someone stays or doesn't stay in our life. That doesn't make us any less worthy intellectually, but Mm -hmm. that's not how it feels. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I also find that again, in previous relationships, I would seek out people that would treat me terribly so that I didn't have to worry about any of these things. Like if I was always had my guard up, then I didn't have to worry about them leaving me because they were terrible people. And that's awful. And I, again, that does come back down to the like self-worth where you just kind of put yourself in situations that are negative. But uh, yeah, I definitely always have a plan. Like my partner and I, our money's not together and like it never will be because I'm legitimately terrified that if we ever put our money together, then we would like something would happen that day. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Would I ever have my money with my wife? Never. Right. And then all of my friends that are all married and were engaged or common law or whatever, all their money's together. And I'm like, how do you like legitimately, how do you do that? Because I'm like, it's not that I don't trust him and he doesn't trust me. It's that I don't trust anyone. And like, I could not imagine having to go through a divorce or a breakup or whatever and like have to deal with all of the financial stuff because when I get left, I shut down so hard and I will not be able to cope with any of it. Even though I've been to therapy and I have all the skills and whatever, it's just like the thought of it is way too scary for me to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, We'll talk a lot about like my marriage and my relationship in this podcast. I'm currently separated from my wife um, and, uh, and we no longer own own a home together and whatnot, but I'm still dependent on her for health insurance. Um, And because I own my own business, I would have to go, you know, I'd have to go through hoops and loops and backflips to try to get health insurance on my own um, or become employed with an organization again. And so that is like the thing in the back of my mind that, you know, should Tori and I choose that this relationship isn't the one that we want to continue to stay in forever, how do we like amicably separate some of those things that we are interconnected with. And, and like, I, I've tried very hard to keep my money separate and keep, you know, all of these things. But at the end of the day, like relationships are very, very hard. And um, I don't think leaving a relationship makes anyone a failure, but there's those little things you have to figure out. Like, my dog, right? Are we going to like, are we going to co-parent a German shepherd? Who knows? And I want to, of course, end up with my wife forever. Um, We just don't know what, what is in the cards, but yeah, that, that, uh, the fear of having to go there, it makes you feel like you can't do it, but I absolutely know if you had to, you would. Yeah, totally. And I think that Again, this relationship was one that I rejected for so long because I was so worried about being abandoned by somebody that was actually an amazing human being. And now that I'm in an actually like positive relationship that is not emotionally abusive, does not, you know, call me crazy when anything goes wrong, I realized that I, I probably could handle it 
it's just when you're treated terribly all the time and then somebody abandons you, it doesn't really go all that well. Yeah, let me ask you this, because this is something that's been a theme in my life until I met Tori, who's just a honestly a godsend of a human. Um, but do you think that the relationships that you had prior to your relationship with Aaron um, were based in trauma bonding? I don't know if I would call it that. I think it was me not valuing myself and not thinking that I deserved better than being emotionally neglected and abused and all that stuff. Um, I think I was too afraid to be in a good relationship. And so I would seek out people that were completely terrible for me, but I I don't really know if it was me trauma bonding necessarily. Yeah, I was just thinking because my relationships prior to Tori were (laughs) very chaotic, very um, mentally, emotionally abusive, uh, both ways, right? Like, I'm not ever going to say that I wasn't um, unhealthy and inappropriate at times because I was, but um, I also look back and I can recognize that the, you know, the 19 year old part of me, the 17 year old part of me that was engaging in those relationships before I met my wife was just like trying to get by and just trying to find love. And the only way that I, my chaotic, like traumatized brain that hadn't done the work and hadn't like healed Um, the only way I knew to find love was to find it in other people who were just as chaotic as I was. And, um, I can 100% say that the relationships that I had before I met Tori were solely based in trauma bonding. Like, oh, you're as fucked up as I am. Great. Let's love each other. Like, cause, cause nobody else is going to know how to love me is what my brain thought. And so when you've been in a relationship that isn't like that, do you find it really, really hard? Because I personally find that the lack of like explosive arguments and makeups is really difficult for me because I'm used to that intensity in all of my relationships. And Aaron is just like chill all the time, super reasonable, like wouldn't hurt a fly is completely opposite from me in that way. And so because he's not reactive at all, it really screws with my head sometimes because I'm like, why aren't you fighting at all? (laughs) Right? Like I kind of like to be fought for or like to fight with people in some weird messed up way. And not having that is sometimes hard to deal with, which is super strange. No, I mean, Tori is the most level-headed, amazing, kind, calm, centered human. She's also an officer so they're trained to be very always at baseline um and I mean yeah I would be lying if I said that there hasn't been times I've picked major major fights just because that up and that down is is normal that's like all I know um and I'm not gonna exciting too it's exciting it's exciting and and you know that's like that's where so much of the stigma comes from is that people think that women with borderline like get off on this stuff. Right. And I hate the emotional hangover just as anyone else does from the fight. But in the moment it's so hard. Like when you're 
we call them SUDs, your sub subjective units of distress are above 50, 60, right? Like you can't not fight. <laughs> and if that's all, you know, that cycle just continues and continues and continues becomes comfortable and it becomes pleasurable. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. That's been really, really, really hard. And just the lack of like spontaneity from Tori, because she probably just like Aaron, like they're okay. Just being at that middle ground, right? Like that's all their brain knows to do. Whereas for me, you know, I need to rapidly go back and forth to Mm -hmm. feel and experience some sort of joy. And um, again, Tori and I are, are currently separated and kind of figuring out what we're doing. But I do think that that's a piece of it is when we first got together, I was like, so craving that comfortability, that stability that she was able to provide me that nobody had because she was healthy and she was safe. And um, she was my first secure attachment. And I think there was times where I've like overlooked that I actually do need a certain level of spontaneity that she has a hard time giving me. Um, Yeah, it's weird stuff, isn't it? It really is. And because I find it's the lack of engagement in that if I'm emotionally dysregulated, I'm so used to having people around me be emotionally dysregulated and fight with me that if the other person doesn't engage, it's a very strange concept because there I am, then I'm just like a weirdo who's yelling at a wall, <laughs> right? Like, which is awesome. And I'm sure that that helps my relationship and my life so much to have that person that doesn't engage, but God, is it frustrating sometimes because engagement is what I'm used to. Yeah. And the borderline part, right. This is where the symptoms really are enhanced is like, if you want someone to engage in you and they don't, um, the impulsivity, right. I mean, these things are all interconnected. The impulsivity will make you say and do things that are so unacceptable just so that that person is forced to respond. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I know me too. (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, for some reason in my head right now, all I can think about is someday, this was like years ago. And I said, Oh, I want to have a cookie like for dessert or something. And I can't remember why it was that I wasn't like, Aaron was like, no, like, let's just not like it's late and whatever. We already ate too much. And it's like, okay, cool. And then I got super mad. And so I went to the gas station down the street, I, like got in my car, went to the gas station down the street and bought like $40 worth of Kit Kat bars and came home and just like ate them in bed, like super grumpy. And it was like, I'm sure if I had said, look, man, I really just want this Kit Kat, like, shut up. He'd be like, okay, great. But instead I just storm out of the house, essentially run away for 20 minutes to go buy so many overpriced Kit Kat bars at the stupid co-op down the street. Like it just doesn't make any sense, but these are the things that if, if the engagement doesn't happen, then sometimes I just go like, okay, screw it. I'm going to be impulsive and run away. Okay. That is so funny because the long-term relationship that I had prior to Tori a very chaotic relationship, but my partner smoked cigarettes. Right. And, and we got together when I was 18 or ninth, ninth, we got together when I was 19 and broke up when I was like 20, right before my 23rd birthday. This is a long standing relationship. There was a, a, a chunk of time where we were broken up in between as well. But so my partner at the time smoked cigarettes and I remember we got in this argument while we were driving and I took their cigarettes and I threw them out the window and I didn't smoke cigarettes. And then we continued to argue or something. We got home because we were living together in the this shitty apartment and I went to the store and I bought cigarettes that I would smoke and didn't buy any for my partner. 
<laughs> just to be like, just like to spiteful. Be a brat. And again, yeah. again, 18 year old girl, n- not diagnosed, not medicated and not taught the skills. Of course I threw your cigarettes out the window and then went and bought my own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when we talk about real and imagined abandonment and what the frantic efforts that we've gone to in the past are like to avoid that. I just, because my relationship now is so stable, I have a hard time remembering like what I've done in the past, but like, I've for sure like self-harmed. I for sure um, just like deleted all of my social media so that they had no idea where I was. Oh, I don't even know. I'm sure I've reached out to like friends of theirs, like just so many things that I don't think I would do now. But again, it's so hard to regulate when you're being abandoned. And that's just like something that really hurts your soul. Yeah. And the interesting thing apart about this too, right? I mean, there's a lot of research about this that's still like being done every day, but generally people who are diagnosed with borderline actually have a pretty significant trauma history where most of us did experience abandonment or rejection. So I was 12 years old when my first uncle committed suicide. Um, I've had three uncles die by suicide and my family um, went through a lot of, of transition afterwards, right? Of course, just trying to figure out how to keep it together. And so my, um, I watched my mom and my aunt, like, essentially break up and then it cut and it sounds so strange now as an adult but like my 12 year old self was so devastated because like we weren't allowed to be invited to Thanksgiving because people were disagreeing about all of these things whatever whatever um and I felt like I lost my childhood best friend in the loss of my cousin because my mom and my aunt weren't talking at the time and they've everyone's reconciled this right like family is good but um but that, that moment, like that not being invited to Thanksgiving, I think is the first time in my life where I was like, I'm not worthy or I'm not loved enough to be at this thing that I look forward to every year. You know, when you're a little kid and you just want to like see your cousins and put olives on your fingers, like around the Thanksgiving table, like I, that experience was taken from me and that wasn't my fault, but the only way that I could make sense of that was to make it my fault. And so it really fucks with those of us who do have the issue around identifying what is real or what is not real in terms of abandonment, because that younger part of you, especially if you've never healed that or processed through that, like is being triggered. And so, you know, I've tried to explain this just to Tori so many times, like, she'll say like, I'm not leaving you. And I'll say, okay, I get that you're saying that, but that's not how I feel. Yeah. That's super interesting. And I think that's where the validation is so important for people with borderline is instead of saying, I'm not leaving you. Why are you thinking that? Just to say, I realize that that's how you're feeling. I'm telling you that that's not the case. And, you know, sometimes I just need to, sometimes I just need to hear like, if I'm planning on leaving you, I'll give you a heads up. Like that's sometimes all I ask for. It's like, can you at least give me a two week lead time on when you plan on leaving me? Which is so dumb because like, you know, in my partner's head, he's not going to leave me. 
he, he's not concerned about that in the slightest, but I just need that little tiny bit of confirmation that it's not just going to come out of nowhere and he's going to be gone. Yeah. And again, I mean, I don't know if this is true for you, but the impulsivity, right. I'm going to be the one that's going to leave. Like I yeah. know this. my partner knows this. I would, I would 100% leave my relationship in a, in, in a moment where I'm highly dysregulated. That is far more likely to happen than like Aaron or Tori giving us their two week notice. Right. Like, <laughs> exactly. It sounds so funny when you say it like that, but it's, it's totally true. And the sad part is, is if I were to leave this relationship when I was dysregulated, I would probably regret it for the rest of my life. And so what is really handy, and it's funny, I tried to explain this to a counselor one time and I was like, just so you know, he's not abusive. Like, don't get me wrong. But if I say like, we should break up, he'll just be like, no. And, and it sounds almost like you're being trapped in your relationship, which is totally not the case. He just knows that if I just like have a sandwich and wait 20 minutes, I'm going to be fine. Dude, I, I'm not joking. I've, I've broken up with or tried to break up with Tori at least 50 times. In fact, and I, I'm going to probably need to get her permission to, to publish this um, because I'm talking about some intimate things, but, and again, like we're currently kind of separated and figuring out what, what we're doing and what we're looking for. But um, I did like an online, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. I did like an online file for divorce thing, like in the first six months of my marriage in a moment where I was like, so dysregulated. I found like a website that you could get divorced online. And I like went through and I put all our information in. And then I sent like a screenshot of it to Tori. And I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to just pay a hundred dollars and we're going to get divorced. Like, and she's like, you are so bananas. No, no. Like she was like, Sarah, get off of divorce.com. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that is a frantic way to avoid abandonment because you're going, I'm going to do this completely realistically ridiculous thing that is probably not even legit. They're probably just trying to steal your money and I'm just doing it so that you don't leave me. I leave you because ha, then I left. And it's, that's a perfect example. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. And I, I can still feel in my body, like, again, like these stories, this is not us glamorizing the experience. Like in that moment, I am so terrified that I am not worthy of love. I have to avoid anything that feels like love. Right. And yeah. um, and again, we would, I'm sure that you regret that moment and that you feel kind of guilty about it. And like, I think for us, because this is how we live every single day. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you have borderline personalities or you understand that this is how you live every single day, we have to laugh about it. Like the amount of friends I have in the mental health community where we just send each other memes that if we probably posted those on Facebook, we would like be shut down because they're probably considered so inappropriate, but life is difficult. And if you can't laugh at yourself, then you would never survive this world. And so like Sarah was saying, don't get us wrong. We're not trying to trivialize this or say that this is okay. We're just saying, you know, this is reality and this is how we sometimes react and it's not necessarily appropriate, but it's what we needed to do in that moment. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself that, and that is, that's a super good example of, of trying to avoid abandonment. And, um, you know, I, 
I even feel abandonment or like fear of rejection in really funny situations. So a really funny thing. Um, I have a dog, right? I have a 10 year old dog. She's the absolute love of my life. And I made the really difficult decision this year for her to go live with my parents. Uh, after living with her for 10 years, she's the absolute love of my life, best friend, all of that. Right. And in doing that, I remember feeling like Pebbles is going to love my mom more than me. And fuck that bitch. If she does, like, I was like, so worried that this dog would love my mom more than she loved me. Like I was afraid my dog was going to abandon me. Oh, I cannot believe that you're saying this right now, because I feel like that all the time. I have a cat. I love cats so much. I like, I just want him to love me a hundred percent of the time. And if anybody owns a cat, you'll know that cats don't love you a hundred percent of the time. And if he'll go and like snuggle Aaron and then not come near me, I will literally feel like rejected by this cat that just didn't want to snuggle with me for whatever reason. And it's probably because I'm like weird and get up all the time and go stand around. And like, Aaron just is like an easy place to lay, (laughs) but I actually feel sad. And right now he's being kind of an asshole, to be honest. And um, (laughs) like for the last two days, he's basically ignored me and I've been actually upset by it. And it's just like, it's a cat. He's fine. Yeah. But dude, it's so real. And that's, that's the thing like that. That's the one thing I want people to get from this podcast is like, we are not making these things up for the sake of attention. We are not like, we don't want to live like this. This shit is hard. I don't want to feel like my dog doesn't love me. Of course, my dog loves me. She was created to love me. That's all she does. She gets bones and she loves me, right? Like these things don't feel good. And if you're with someone or you are someone who experiences that fear of rejection, I just want you to know that like, it's okay. It's okay. And nobody that loves you is going to think that you are attention seeking or dramatic. They, they will understand and they will see the severity of, of the feeling. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like we can end right there. I mean, if you can be in a relationship with somebody that validates how you're feeling and actually will talk to you about the fact that you feel like you're about to be abandoned, then you'll be okay. But just don't settle for the people that call you crazy. If you think that they're cheating on you and then you find out that they are, that's not, you're not crazy. They are cheating on you. And I think it's just night and day, how more secure I feel about abandonment even when I have my moments, when I, you know, think he's leaving me for no apparent reason, it's night and day with a person that actually cares about me and makes space for my emotions. Hi friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the bold, beautiful borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey and We can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about Borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page. The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to 
Get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you and we'll see you next time.